the principle of what we will share will bless you immensely. I would like you to go with me to Matthew 25 and 29 tonight. Matthew 25 and 29 tonight. And uh, to those of you streaming live with us tonight, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And to our TV audience, thank you for joining us. As I often say, by the time you view this, you still have plenty of time to come on down to the service and that you're looking at a pre-recorded telecast. So come join us here uh, at Kingdom Christian Church, 5832 Freedom Drive, and church doesn't start until 30 minutes from now. God bless you tonight. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse number 29. And I want to pull my text from 29 tonight. I realize this is family Bible study, so this will bless my youth as well as uh, those of you who are of age. Uh, I want you to look at just one verse and then we'll play with Matthew 25 throughout the night and pull verses apart that are appropriate uh, for the lesson. But Matthew 29, or excuse me, 25, Matthew 25, verse number 29. And let's learn this principle tonight. It says, for to everyone who has will more be given. To everyone who has will more be given and he will be furnished richly, is what the Amplified Bible says. I like that. So that he will have in abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. King James says it this way. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not or doesn't have anything shall be taken even that which he doth have. This is going to bless you tonight if it does for you what it did for me as I was meditating. Uh, I want to teach tonight from this thought. I want to talk about how to qualify for more. How to qualify for more. Amen. And uh, I believe that this message contextually will fit any category tonight. Yes, how to qualify for more money, how, how to qualify for more of the anointing, how to qualify for a happier marriage, a, a marriage that is more than what it was. Uh, young people, how to qualify for that scholarship, amen? How to qualify for more of anything. And that being the case in my introduction, I want to first establish that God is a God of more. How many of you agree with that? Amen. We serve, Roz, a God of increase. And for the believer, that's good news. I'm so glad that I'm not in a faith of decrease. I'm in a faith of increase. The Bible says the path of the justice as a shining light, and it grows brighter and brighter until the what, church? Perfect day. And I love it. Psalm 115 and 14. You don't have to turn there. We taught on it so much. You know it by heart by now. But it says, may the Lord give you or may the Lord give you increase more and more. Amen. The Lord increase you more and more. Somebody say that. Come on. More and more. Come on. More and more. You serve a God of more. How to qualify for more. Deuteronomy 1 and 11. Just put it in your notes and meditate it on tomorrow because we don't even have time to get to all of these. But I just want to establish that God is a God of more. He's a God of increase. Deuteronomy uh, 1 and 11 says, may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase. Somebody shout increase. 
but increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. Now, how many of you know that's good news? Yeah, the Lord increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. Yes, in finances, but in joy. How many of you know God will increase your emotional uh, status? Amen. He'll give you more joy. He'll give you more peace. He'll give you more happiness. Amen. I said it earlier, but I want to say it again. Married couples, God will increase your flame in your marriage. That, that's good news. Amen. He will increase those things pertaining to life and godliness. God is a God of more. Somebody shout increase. Increase. In fact, one of God's names in scripture is just that. He is referred to as El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And you know what this implies? The God who is more than enough. And I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but any area of your life where you are lacking, <laughs> amen, any area of your life where you are deficit, y'all, it is good news to be reflective of the fact that if we tap into that well that never runs dry, God will gainfully supply us with more than enough. Somebody shout hallelujah. No, that's good news. As believers, we can rest on the fact that we serve a God who never runs out. He never runs dry. When you read scripture, he says stuff like uh, your cup will run over. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. He told the widow, uh, go borrow some vessels, but borrow not a few. Somebody say, don't get a few. Yeah, don't, don't borrow a few. In other words, indicative of small-mindedness. Expand your thinking. Amen. And believe that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. College students, he's got more scholarships than you need. Come on, somebody. Amen. Do I have a witness in here? I, if you're in here and you're unemployed or watch this, you are gainfully employed. God's got more jobs than you can say yes to. Y'all going to catch up with me in a second. Amen. It, you, you already got a beautiful home. I'm going to teach this thing tonight. You already got three or four levels, but you serve the type of God that will take you to six levels plus because he is always interested. Somebody shout hallelujah in doing more than what you have now. Jeremiah 33 and 3, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. Real estate agents, you've had a few closings, but God has more closings. Do I have a witness in here? Somebody in here, you're in good health, but God's got more health for you. I wish I was talking to Christians tonight. You see, we don't serve Buddha and Allah. We, we don't serve a fat statue. We serve El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, and that's shouting music for for the believer tonight. Somebody lift your hand and say, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Amen. Hallelujah. Feed me till I want no more. Somebody said, Brother Gay, why are you always so happy? Because I have more joy than I need. Now that's a true statement. I have more joy than I need every day. My joy overflows. My wife will tell you, and we're going to walk through this text, I can get caught up praising the Lord, praying over my food. Amen. I have joy. 
Well, Psalm 16 and 11 told me that I would have joy unspeakable and full of glory. No, we are supposed to have more emotional wellness, more, if you will, prosperity, more favor, more than a little bit. So tonight, I want to teach you how to qualify for more because with everything with God, there are prerequisites. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah. In this text, he is dealing with a classic parable. Matthew 25 is my favorite New Testament passage. Uh, Psalm 1 is my favorite Old Testament passage. And in Matthew 25, there were three classes of, of men in this, this text, three categories of people. You had the guy who had five talents, the guy who had two talents, and the guy who had one talent. And if I were to classify these three categories, Melvin, I'd say that there in this text is the multi-talented, the semi-talented, and the guy with just a little talent. But how many of you know in the kingdom, everybody can flourish? There's the multi-talented, the semi-talented, and the guy with just a little talented. But if you take your talents, if you take your gifts, if you take the things that God have invested in you and you put them to work in the kingdom of God, you will begin the process, if you will, of qualifying for more. And I want to say this because contextually, talents in this text were Greek coins. They, they, they represented financial resources uh, in the literal standpoint. Talents, Greek coins. One talent uh, was 6,000 worth of wages, right? And it represented financial talents and gifts that, that would substantiate people for many, many years. So in, in the text, when he gave the parable, he was saying candidly, I'm divvying out money, I'm divvying out talents so that you guys can go on and invest what I put in your hand, and then when I come back, let me see that you have done something with the talents. And that's one context by which to look at it, but the talents also represent just that, the gifts and talents that God has invested into all of us, right? Now, some of us are loaded with five talents. We can do multiple things. Amen. Some of us are blessed to have the two talents. And then some of us fall in the category of the one talent. But somebody say, but we're all important. Yeah. And, and, and if that's true, what is critical to this text is that we begin to see who God made us. I have to see who God made Gabe. God did not make Gabe. Somebody say how to qualify for more. He, he did not make me to be an engineer. If I went out to be an engineer, I'd royally fail. Amen. He, he didn't make me to be a surgeon. He didn't make me to be anything except what I am functioning in today. And if I invest, Seku, those talents and who God called me to do, and watch this, not look at the guy who maybe he gave the five talents to and covet his gifts. Are you going to catch up with me in a second? And just work with my two, work with what he placed inside of me, I will be dramatically successful. How do I qualify for more? Then he will turn my two into four. Are you getting the revelation? Right? So it's incumbent upon me that if I'm the guy with one, if I'm the guy with two, not to look at you with your five and say, why didn't God give me what he gave you? 
not to look at you with your five and say, how come God didn't give me that much gifting and talent and, and all those things that you can do so well? I look at the praise team and they, they can just sing melodiously. But how many of you know some of us in here don't need to be on the mic? Amen. Doesn't mean you don't need to sing. We, we do corporate worship, but how many know some of us don't need to be on the mic? No, I need to look at Sister Candace and Sister Rhonda and appreciate the talent that God put in them. Amen, somebody. And, and enjoy the, the rich sounds that come through the sound system on a Sunday morning. Well, I appreciate their talents. And then if one day they go on to cut an album and do really good in life and, and profit and blow up in their talent, I'm not going to look at them and say, I wish I could sing like that. No, if I run sound, I'm going to say, let me run the soundboard for you. Let me be on the team. Let me do good at whatever level I am. So one of the ways that you know you can genuinely, legitimately qualify for more is start with an attitude, a paradigm that says, God, use me right where I am with what I have. One of the things I'm excited about in this church, and we're doing this more and more, but things like a choir, things like other areas where you can get engaged, amen, in ministry, and you can express your talents. I'm believing God uh, as we approach the next year that our choir will be so big that you got to stand on these steps. You following me? That, 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 that is just, it's just so much because people are saying, well, you know, maybe I can't sing the lead or I can't do this like sister so-and-so, but with what God has given me, let me invest my talents in that category. Somebody say amen. So as we continue through the text, understand that uh, when you are trying to qualify for more, when Jesus returns, he will be looking for an ROI on his investment. <laughs> Go to verse number 19, because this message is critical tonight, because Jesus, y'all, is coming back. Somebody shout hallelujah for that. Not only is he coming back, but you have set days in your life where there is supposed to be a harvest on what God has invested in you. Are you with me? You have set days. Listen to me, young people. You have set time periods to where by age 20, by age 30, by age 40, according to God's timetable, according to God's clock, you are supposed to be at a certain place in your life so that God can cash in on his investment. Do I have a witness in here? Y'all better catch up with me now. And that's not for those of us who are 40 plus, 50 plus to say, you know what, I should have been here by now. Some of that may be true, but how many of you know he'll restore the years? Amen. He'll help you pick up speed. Come on, somebody. He'll help you get on track. But the truth be told, all of us in here, according to God's timetable, Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil. I know the plans that I have for you, plans that are good and not bad. And when I say that, I know that by 2018, I wanted you to have closed on your house and I wanted you to have been married or I wanted you to have had that new job, whatever it is. And for God's sake, I wanted you to be in your God-ordained purpose because I am a God that takes you from faith to faith from glory to glory, I am always increasing. I feel like y'all are catching up with me now. I'm always taking you up in levels, and you have to be on track. Somebody say, get on track. 
Now, as we look at verse number 19 in Matthew 25, the Bible declares, and I love it, love it, love it. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Or if you have New King James, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came. And what did he do? Settle accounts with them. Now, what I want to ask you tonight as we're talking about qualifying for more is if God were to come and settle accounts with you tonight, would you be able to legitimately say, God, not only have I done, but I am doing everything you've told me to do in this season of my life? Did y'all hear what I just said? Would you be able to give a genuine, legitimate account? Would you be able to pause and say, you know what, God, you told me to do thus and so. You told me to join KCC. You told me to be active about saving babies. You told me to be about your business of finishing my master's degree, whatever the case may be. And truth be told, as of tonight, uh, this third week of October, I am on track with what you have called me to do. Because I want to tell you, saints, that that is one of the most critical factors for God being willing to give us more. If I can break this metaphor down, those of us who have kids understand this. Uh, when your child, and one of my kids did it to me this week, comes to you and says, Dad, can I have another hot dog? The first thing you do is look at their plate and see what they did with the hot dog they already had. Y'all ain't going to catch up with me tonight, but I'm going to teach it anyway. No, you, you look at their plate, and Christian did that to me this week. He said, Dad, can I have an, an apple? And I looked at his plate, and the apple my wife had sliced up for him was still on his plate. I said, son, why won't you eat that apple? He said, well, that one's yucky. <laughs> and see, that's what a lot of believers do with the hand that you have been dealt. Come on, somebody. You look at it and you say it's yucky. You look at it and say, look at where my life is. I'll never be. I don't have enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough letters behind my name. But what God is saying, you are the clay marred in my hands. And if you allow me to mold you and make you into what I've called you to be, I choose the foolish things to confound the wise. I'll take somebody who was nobody. I wish I had a witness in here. Somebody who came straight out of the world of the project raise them up in my kingdom and they'll be the greatest evangelist ever to be birthed but God if you can use anything you can use me do I have a witness in here how many people in here are glad you didn't qualify but the blood of Jesus qualified you anybody here like me you're glad that you didn't live well enough but thanks be unto God by his grace, by his mercy, he put his blood down on us. And every time the Father sees us, he doesn't see our flaws, but he sees who he called us to be. Now we can go forth and qualify for more. Glory to the Lamb of God. So that being the case, come on, take your seats. Since he's coming back, Sylvester, to settle accounts, somebody say, no more excuses. Is that all right, brother? Since I know that God's going to settle accounts with me, since I know, Antoine, that by February 18th, he has something on his mind, that uh, a place that he wants me to be at by that time, I'm not going to make any more excuses for not pursuing and becoming all that God wants me to be. For some of you in this church tonight, destiny starts tonight.
Man, you're not going to make another excuse as to why you can't go back and finish. Do I have a witness in here? You're not going to make another excuse. Come on, somebody, as to why you can't blossom. Man, I feel like preaching tonight. You can't blossom and become everything God has called you to be. God, the business you gave me, I'm about to blow it up. Do I have a witness in here? The family you allowed me to be a father to, I'm going to be the best dad I could ever be. No more excuses because when you come back to get your money, I want to be able to give you a good report. Come on, somebody. I'm going to finish college this year. If I got to take 18 credit hours and work full time, no more excuses. I am going to finish and I am going to finish strong. Do I have a witness in here tonight? Glory to God. Y'all making me too excited for a Thursday night. Somebody say how to qualify for more. I'm telling you right now, who is the coach going to put in the game? The guy that's looking tired and fatigued or the guy that's saying, put me in, coach? No, put me, put, I'll guard him. Put, put me in, coach. I, I'll take care of You know, back in the 80s, 90s, some of y'all would remember, uh, nobody could guard Michael Jordan. Like, he was just, and some of that was because he would push people before he shot. Some of y'all don't know that. But he had that little hand, and then he would shoot. That's what made him, but he was still awesome now. Don't get me wrong. I know he lives in this area. Michael, I need no offense. Um, but the truth, truth be told, he would push people sometime before he shot. And, um, you know, here's, here's what was powerful. There was this, 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 this scrubby guy who played for the Detroit Pistons. And, and, and you know, nobody could beat the Bulls, but uh, they would put Dennis Rodman. You got it. And they put Dennis Rodman out there on Michael. And one of the things Dennis did well is aggravate him. <laughs> oh, he got underneath his skin. But, and he would guard him. And he guard him better than anybody in the NBA could guard him because he would get underneath him. So it's a feisty mentality that you got to have in this world. <laughs> you got to be that person that, like, when the bank tells you no today, you call them tomorrow and say, well, what's your appetite like today? <laughs> now, I can guard y'all. I'm going to aggravate you. Yeah. No, well, well, who else can I talk to? We can't let you in college this, this season because our enrollment is full. Well, do you have a waiting list? Get to a place in your posture to where you start saying, can I meet with the dean? Well, we usually don't let students meet with the dean, and then you aggravate them. Do y'all have a policy? <laughs> you have a policy that says that? You know, how come I can't meet with the dean? You know, I've told this story a thousand times. That's how I got my master's degree. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I requested meetings. And before I know it, I mean, they probably felt like we better let this guy in or else. And the rest is history. No, you, you got to be so feisty, so driven to guard life, so driven to overcome any challenge because you understand that Matthew 25, 19 is going to happen for you one day. It's called judgment. Yeah. And see, everybody looks at judgment and they go, ooh, that's the day when I'm in trouble. No. No, y'all, judgment is harvest time. Did you catch that? Those of us who will stand uh, before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema, y'all, that ain't trouble time. People think that giving an account means, oh, God's going to take his belt off. No, you're getting ready here, well done. That good and faithful servant. You're getting ready to get your crown jewels. 
that, that's judgment. Now, the white throne, <laughs> you don't want to go before that one because that is the woo. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But no, you want to go before your judgment seat of Christ and stand before him and say, here are my accounts. You know, God, I did what you told me to do. When you sent me down there to City Hall to stand for the gospel, I wasn't too busy. I'm settling my accounts. Lord, when you told me to start this, do that, do more of this, less of that, God, I made every turn you told me to make, and God, honestly, now I'm here to get my rewards. And y'all, that's not just heaven. There are judgment periods in life. Did you catch that? There's a judgment period in life where you finally realize my marriage is happy now because I did the small things necessary to get it there. It wasn't always that way, but we work date nights. Come on, we work communication. We work transparency. Can I teach this practically tonight? So now my marriage, how do you qualify for a more happy or happier marriage? Because you work the marriage that you had. The marriage that didn't look quite like what you wanted it to look. How do you qualify for more money? You manage the money that you Come on, somebody. You just managed it. You man this is one of those practical teachings tonight. You managed it. How do you qualify for more favor? You manage the hard places you have right now. And then guess what? You were so polite to that manager. You did your part. You played your role. You were overqualified for the position, but you still took the job, and you worked in that call center. And before you know it, God brought you into favor with the manager. And then there you go, being promoted. Well, you manage the relationships on that level. Amen. That's how a person qualifies for more. Let's keep walking through this. Because God is going to call everything we do into judgment. And he says, and this sounds mean, that's why I'm glad it's in the Bible and I didn't say it. Because if I said it, some of y'all would really be offended. But I didn't say it. So go to verse number 29 because God says to him who has more will be given. And how many of you know in this culture that really goes against the grain? Because we think that it is the guy who doesn't have that should be getting more. Y'all going to catch up within a second. We, we think, you know, people say foolish things like why are they raising all those offerings when there are people hungry in Africa? There are poor people on the corner. I know I'm on somebody's nerve right there. There's somebody who doesn't have. Well, here's the question, because you keep reading the text, you'll come down to the answer. But to the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, I'm not talking about our friends and brothers in Africa, but in the guy in the land of the free and brave in America, the question becomes, why does he not have? What's his excuse? I know we're in a handout social <laughs> security society. You know, where you know, I know some folk believe in socialism. That's when you know everybody gets their equal share of the pie. But I'm gonna let you in on a secret. If you didn't start Microsoft, you don't deserve what Bill Gates has. And Bill Gates worth some $70 billion. He doesn't owe it to anybody to give them $60 billion of his 70 How come they didn't do what he did? 
Steve Jobs did start computer company, Apple, in a garage and work their tails off until the company grows and blossoms and becomes public and become multi-billionaires. How, how come? What is the difference? Because the blood was running warm in their veins just as it was in the guy's veins down at the shelter. I mean, they both had, y'all not going to like me tonight, but I, I, I see, I, I, don't, I don't teach a poverty gospel. I don't believe in that. They both had equal ability. To my high school students in this church, now see, some of y'all going to go on, become awesome, get your college degree and all that kind of stuff, but you know, some of you might be knuckleheads all your life. Now, when you are 27, don't get mad at us because you don't have nothing. You didn't do nothing. And that young man's got a Harvard Law degree, and, and, and he's working at Goldman Sachs Bank where the average salary is a half a million dollars a year. Well, don't get mad at him when he's living in a gated community because he turned his gifts and talents into something that turned him into greater than. Right. Why does he not have? Because I didn't say it. The Bible says to everyone who has more will be given and it didn't stop there and he will have what church how many people in here have no problem with abundance amen somebody tell your neighbor i'm not turning down my abundance amen how many people in here show hands tomorrow if, if your boss came and says you know we need to take you up a hundred thousand dollars a year because we just realized the pay scale was too low how many people in here you would have a problem with it raise your hand i just want to make sure that way we know whether or not we need to put some people out the church <laughs> of course you wouldn't have a problem with that that's a foolish discussion you're going to catch the holy ghost right there if there's a such thing as catching the holy ghost you're going to get it in the all thank you does it start <laughs> of course you are you're not going to turn that down to be told that's going to happen to some folk because you would have been faithful I'm going to give you my points in a second you would have been faithful of the more you had this is good stuff today you would have managed right where you are you know see some of you uh, who are new here and I'm so glad to have you you understand the story as it is being told about where this church came from to who we are today. But now some of you who've been here and, and you were there uh, when uh, we were in the waiting room. And I mean a small percentage of the people you see in here tonight would be the ones coming to church. Are y'all in here? And we had to come out and guess what kind of clothes I'd wear back then? The same clothes you see me on with tonight. I did not get up and preach in holy jeans and give the people two scriptures in the nursery rhyme. Because after all, only five people are in Bible study tonight. No sense in me trying so hard. And I tell you what, it's more than five people in church tonight. It's more than 50 people in church tonight. It's more than 100. Should I continue on a Thursday night? Well, how did you qualify for more? Are you ready for your points? Because this is so critical, y'all. We're going to get into it. How does a person qualify for more? Let's enjoy this thing. Number one, 
faithfulness with what I already have. That's number one. If you want to qualify for more, faithfulness with what you already have. Faithfulness of doing church with five people. Come on. Faithfulness, Melvin. Faithfulness right there. And then the Bible says don't despise the day of a small beginning. Now, this is not one of my points, but you should write it as a bonus point because faithfulness with what you have also means gratefulness with what you have. Good buddy of mine, you all know him, Pastor Ronnie teaches that gratefulness is the key to more. How grateful am I over, I'm not demeaning anybody, the call center job? How do I treat that job? Do I get there right before I got a clock in? Or am I there bright and early with a hot cup of coffee, strategizing on how I can make this company better, seeing what I can do to make my contribution? Are y'all in here? No, I got to be faithful with what I have. I got to be faithful with the least. You know, I'm not beating anybody up, and, you know, I give. I give to the poor. I believe in it. You all know that. Uh, our church gives to the poor. We, we believe in it. We feed the hungry. Praise the Lord. And we're not talking about almsgiving. How many of you know you don't boast in almsgiving? Amen. You do that, and you do it under the table. But I just want to say that because I believe in that 100%. But I'm going to show you something. I told you, him who doesn't have... It will be taken away. Well, what's up with the guy who stands in the island at the stoplight begging you for your money when there is a Wendy's right across the street where he could be at least gainfully employed at $11 an hour? Are y'all in here tonight? And I know I'm teaching to the right people. No, no, he's not being faithful. He's not being faithful over few. He's not being faithful over few. And truth be told, you really need to back, read the back story behind some of them folk because a lot of them actually have a lot. And they're taking you to the cleaners. Because <laughs> guess what? If I can stand out there for an hour and just get three people to give me $20, y'all, that's $60 an hour job. No taxes. Tax-free, that's good income. And then somebody going to roll up, especially during the holidays, and put a hundred in my hand. Are y'all in here? That's good. That's a good. Somebody just said, and then you go pay your tithe off of that. And you really. That's awful. Oh, that's horrible. No, go and get 50 cents and go to that coin laundry place. Wash your jeans. If those are the only pair of jeans you have, be faithful over those jeans. And walk in that Walmart or that, that uh, Wendy's and say, may I speak to the manager, please? I tell you what, I will sweep these floors. I tell you what I'll do so that you'll hire me. I'll clean the floors for free just to demonstrate to you the type of worker I am. If when I get through cleaning these floors, you don't want to hire me, I'll walk away. Now that'll get you hired. Faithful. Faithful what you have. And then grateful. When you get your check at the end of the week and it's $315.06 after taxes, lift your hand and say, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. Because see, watch this. God never promised to bless unemployment. Deuteronomy 28 and 12 says he would bless the working of your hands. I wish I had a witness in here. 
Come on, I've taught this lesson at this church, but everybody take your hands and say, what am I doing with my hands? Pastor Gould has a lady at his church. She wanted her kids in Christian school so bad so that they wouldn't be in this Babylonian culture. You know what she did? She went and learned how to bowl, how to bowl and bowl well. And she said, I, I found out that I could bowl so good that I could be in competitions. The lady went around the country bowling, making enough money to pay for her children to go to private school. That's a true story. True story. And most of your people who hit it big, y'all, and are great, they knew at one point in their life how to grind it out at a small level. At a small You know what? I'll bowl to make this tuition happen. I'll do whatever I got to do. They'll put me on a payment plan if they have to, but I'm going to come up with the money. And the world says where there is a will, there's a way. But I tell you what, I like the Christian version. Greater is he that is in me than he that is. I can do how many things? All things through who? Christ that gives me what? Strength. God, you give me the strength. I know how to work. I know how to make it happen. And I know how to be faithful, Nicole, right where I am. Do I have a witness in here? So what, what, how do I qualify for more? Everybody say faithfulness and gratefulness. Yeah, faithfulness and gratefulness. Go to Luke 16, verse 10 through 12. I love this stuff, man. I love this stuff. I love it, love it, love it. Luke 16, 10 through 12, come on. Is this blessing anybody? This is so good, Seku. He that is what? Faithful. He that is what? Faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Now, pause right there. If I don't manage $5, don't trick yourself and assume you're going to manage $5,000. Because scripture says you won't. It's one of the reasons why the Bible says a person that comes to riches too fast is in a dangerous situation. Because he hadn't learned how to manage lease. Right? Back to my little church example. Well, you know, Brother Gabe, you need to learn how to manage five people first. No, manage five people well and preach with vigor. Manage a youth ministry of, of 10 kids and watch that turn into 100, which turns into 1,000. Are you in here? Ma manage manage the, the resources, and we've done that. Manage the money well. Do right with the lease. Build an awesome church, and within the first year of getting in your church, put up all the equipment necessary for television, and then watch this. Get on TV. Now, that's resource management right there. I don't know anybody that's done it like that, y'all. That's resource management. Manage the things that are placed in your hand. And I'm telling you what's going to happen in this ministry on a corporate level. And if you believe God, it'll happen in your house too. Here come all the millions, the thousands, the re everything you need and beyond. Because God is a God of more. But I tell you what, he's going to test you with the least first. He's going to test you. And I know what I'm talking about because I've lived it. And some of you have seen me live it. He's going to test you at ground zero level. You know, that's why you're going to be so blessed in your real estate, because God's going to test how how much you're willing to go to those banks. You know, one of our agents just goes out to the banks and sets up her booth and and meets people and, and, and different fairs and, and meets people and things of that nature. And 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 just really putting those things out there. All you know, all of them do a great 
job, but always putting things. Well, guess what? I'm testing. Y'all, God could have blessed you eons ago. But what did he say to, the, to Israel? If you read Deuteronomy 8 on your free time, I brought you through the wilderness to test your heart. That's revelation right there. And it's not that I didn't know what your heart was like. I needed you to know what you was made of. Woo, Jesus. I needed you to know how substantive you really are. Can you take it? Can you stand it when nothing seems to be going right? When nothing seems to be flowing right? Will you still be faithful to me and everything I told you to do? Because he who is faithful in the least, guess what, Tony? They will also be faithful in much. He who is unjust in that which is least is also, guess what? unjust in much. You know what that is? The second stanza, an easy way to say that, a snake with nothing, a snake with something. A snake with no money, a snake with a lot of money. Amen. That's why God won't allow a lot of people's stuff to really take off. Because <laughs> he, he knows. Candidly, he knows they're going to be a great embarrassment. I'm telling you, I'm not boasting in this. By that, so many people say, Pastor, what is your secret, man? How did you do it? What was your strategy? And I wish I could tell them how smart I was, but the truth is I'm not smart. I don't know anything. Everything I know is because of God. Anything that God did here is because of him, right? But at the end of the day, I always put back on them, where is your heart for the things of God? Like you want an awesome church and all those kinds of things? Well, do you want an awesome church for your own profitability, or do you really want to see people get better? Everybody say motives. No, why do you do what you do? Are you doing what you do so you can be the who's who? I'm teaching good tonight. Are you doing what you do so you can wear fine tailored suits? Why, why do you do what you do? And it's not just for pastors. It's for you, saints. No, God's going to test your heart. He wants to see how faithful you're going to be at no salary. At nothing. Anybody that ever tells me, and this is a hint right here that's going to bless many people, but people that tell me that they're preachers and things like that, that you know, that's great, because the next thing I'm going to do is watch. That's wonderful. I had a lady when we first started the church, this was years ago, my wife's cracking up, but she came to the church, and uh, man, she hadn't been there two Sundays, and she came to me, she said, Pastor, you know, I just want to know what my role is in the ministry. I said, your role is to pick up chairs like the rest of us and put them on, on that stand over there and be faithful like the rest of the church. Don't you see the pastor lifting up folding chairs? Do you think I'm going to put you in a special seat while I lift folding chairs? What's your role? To be the greatest servant of them all. That's your role. To never miss a service. That's your role. And I'm being honest with you. Now, them other guys, they won't be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. That's your role? To do what the rest of us do. The greatest among you ought to be a servant. That's your role. Come on. Go to verse number 11. This is good. Somebody shout hallelujah. All right, come on. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your or, or trust uh, to your trust, excuse me, the true riches? God is saying candidly, and we know mammon is the wicked spirit behind money. It was a God, that wicked spirit behind money. No time for all that tonight. But if I can't trust you with 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 the little things, with with, with the with the unrighteous mammon, why would I why would I make you the CEO of the bank? <laughs> 
Why would I raise you up? Amen. I'm trying your heart. This is a character message for somebody tonight. I'm trying your heart to see how you manage the small things. Now you can't be righteous over much. You know, Solomon said, be not righteous over much. I was in the grocery store the other day because how many know we're not preaching legalism? And uh, I was getting ready to buy a bundle of grapes. And I just called my wife to see if she had already bought grapes. You might remember that there. And by that time, I had already tasted one of the grapes from the bundle that I was going to buy. And for me, you know, sometimes I'm a little righteous over much. So I feel like if I taste the grapes, I got to buy the whole bundle. You know, because I found out that the grape was sweet. So that's why I tasted it. So I'm going to buy this bundle because after all, somebody's going to get these bag of grapes minus one grape. And you do know tasting grapes can cause you to miss the rapture. No. Somebody say that's too much. And I grew in my Christianity that day because when my wife told me she had already bought grapes, I didn't buy those grapes. And I didn't feel bad for once in my life. My wife would tell you, we go to a store or something like that, and she pick up something off a rack. She's shaking her head saying all the time. I still do this to this day, and that's, that's my own little hiccup because I believe in morality. I believe in doing things right. So if she picks up something, a, a bottle of ketchup, and she figures out she doesn't want the ketchup after all, she will be on her way, and she'll just put it in the gum aisle, <laughs> you know, at the, at, the, at the register. Diana, I don't believe in that. That's not where we got, mother. That's not where we got that ketchup. We are going to go put this ketchup back in the proper order. And I take the walk every time. I say, give it to me. I go and I put the ketchup back. But now I wouldn't have been cursed if I didn't put the ketchup back. I'm just learning that now. So y'all have to bear with, you know, you know, bear with me a little bit. But so, so Solomon said you can't be righteous over much. Somebody say no legalism. Amen. She doesn't want the shirt that she picked up. I'll just leave it on this rack. No, no, that's not where that shirt belongs. Let's bring it back and let's try to fold it the way they had it. (laughs) I remember one time I was doing that and this lady, you know, you get on people's nerves when they're having to reshop stuff. That's what they call it. Reshopping in a a Walmart, wherever you are. And I was trying to fold stuff back and the lady looked. She said, just leave it. (laughs) No, it's fine, sir. Really, I'll get it. Just please don't fold it, right? You know. So, so back to the point. You got to be faithful and unrighteous, mammon, to get to the true riches. Go to verse number twelve, though. Somebody say faithfulness. And if you have, oh, this is so good for those of us who have jobs. If you're not and want to own a business, if you've not been faithful in what is another's man's, another man's, who will give you your own? Is anybody being blessed tonight? Somebody say, how to qualify for more? No, I got to be faithful in another man's. The way I serve God on my job. The way I serve in my church. How many of you know I ought to treat God's house to a whole nother degree? Read the new Old Testament prophet when, when you have time. He said, consider your ways, how you live in panel houses while my house goes in ruins. Right? My house goes in ruins. Right? I got to be faithful over another man's. Now, I know for the impulsive, spontaneous person, this is a very boring message. 
But the truth is, you will never get out of Lodabar until you master these principles. We will never move into more, I don't care what age or stage you are at life, until you begin to master the first point, and that is, everybody say, faithfulness in what I already have. Yeah, now, number two, and we're going to move on now because time is going to run up with us, and this one won't take me a, a long time. But number two, do that which is required. Do that which is required. Luke 12 and 48 says, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. So a lot of people say, God, give me more, give me more, give me more. Then he dumps more on you, but I'm here to tell you, when you get that more, he's going to require more. Right? So you have to do that which is required. You know, some people say, I'm believing God for a jet. Well, what do you need a jet for when the only place you're going is Concord and Gastonia? <laughs> what do you need a jet for? I want to be just like Jerry Savelle and Jesse Planters. I want a jet. You're not going to do world missions. Amen. You're not, you're not believing God to save a million souls this year. We can't even get you to invite your co-worker to church. So after all, you probably don't need a jet. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend anybody. But you don't. Your neighbors still don't even know you're a believer. Your next door neighbor. And you talk to them every day at the mailbox. Why you need a jet? Amen. No, do what is required there and again right where I am. What is required? Amen. What is, they're trying to put these no parking signs up, uh, signs up down at the abortion clinic that was forbid the life, I call them life mobiles to park so mothers could hear their baby's heartbeat. And man, this has been a week of requirement for me. It just has. And Monday will be, you know, I wrote this letter today, you know, to the city council and mayor because they asked me to and all these other things. And, you know, very much could be doing interviews tomorrow and all that kind of good stuff. Well, are you doing that which is required? Because some people say, Lord, give me a greater anointing for what this is good teaching tonight are you going to cast the devil out of the next person you see what you need a greater anointing for God give me more of your spirit you don't do nothing with the spirit you got now I'm not being mean I'm serious you don't do nothing with it amen how many souls have you gotten this year you know so before I say, God, give me more, do more, have more, God, give me more money. And then God's answer back is, get your account out of Nesfa. Now, y'all know that's what I call insufficient funds. I call it Nesfa. Amen. It's quiet. Amen. Stop saying to yourself while you're in the mall, I just need to do something for me. No, you need to go home and pay your electric bill. And your power bill, come on. And your gas bill, I, no, I need a break. I'm going to buy this $300 watch because I just need to do something for me for a change. You're not faithful. Y'all don't like my talk. Now, is there anything wrong with the $300 watch or $3,000 watch if you can afford it? Everybody shake your head, no. Amen. Of course not. Stop getting mad at people because they wear a Rolex. And only people who get mad at folk who wear Rolexes are folk who want to wear one but can't. That's the bottom line. It's a spirit of jealousy. Even if you don't admit it, that's what it is. You don't have to admit it. That's what it is. There they go thinking that. No, they didn't tell you they felt that they were all that. They never said that. They just like wearing their Rolex watch. 
and you can't be mad at them because they wear $15,000. Well, does the watch have to cost $15,000? I like teaching like this because you know what this kind of teaching does? It messes up religious people. Oh, it just breaks them up. They can't, oh, man. Well, God's streets are gold. And his foundation is onyx and rubies. And and thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. If you want a Rolex, get one. Amen. Pay your tithe and then get one. Live right and get one. Amen. Young people, how come the rappers are the only one with bling bling? You want to wear bling bling? Do right and you can bling all you want. Amen. Do the right thing. And then if you're not into that kind of thing, don't get that. Amen. But don't scrutinize people who have done their part. I'm doing good tonight. And they have done that which is required. Amen. Uh, I want to move on because I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I only have 22 minutes and I want to finish this. All right. So number one, everybody say faithfulness with what I have. Amen. Then I must do that which is required. I like that. I like that. But number three is really where I want to spend my time because it's so powerful. Number three, go to 2 Timothy 4 and 2 and you're going to love this. Write this point down. Remain consistent in silent seasons. That's going to move you. Remain consistent in silent seasons. I love this. I love this. I love it. Now, I realize that this scripture has to deal with preaching. And, and, you know, Paul is speaking to the to the young pastor here and telling him to preach. And 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 that's that's the context of the scripture. But I think it can be adapted to your Christian lifestyle. And watch this. He says, preach the word. Be ready when church in season, when everybody's shouting, when everything is well, everything is beautiful. Be ready. Do it and enjoy it on your anniversaries, all that stuff. That's in season. That's those are good times. Amen. Be, be ready in season. But then also in what seasons out of season. Now, that's what I want to deal with. The silent seasons. What do athletes do, Pam? What do athletes do when? It is not time to play football or basketball. (laughs) They train. One must really examine that question. They train and they stay fit. You know, my wife was watching, she and I, a uh, documentary on Usain Bolt not long ago. You know, real fast guy, Jamaican, I believe. Uh, Very, very fast. And he runs so fast that he can pull up at the finish line and nobody still can catch him. The man was just fast. I think he retired now. Uh, broke all the records and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that he said, which really caused him to decide to come out of track and field, I think, once and for all, is he's just tired of keeping his body right. Just tired of staying fit to that degree. Pam, you know something about that. Just, just tired of, 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 of being congruent with uh, an athlete's lifestyle. You know, I, I got to eat celery and carrots and and all kinds of stuff when everybody else is sitting around the table eating, you know, some real good food, right? I I don't want to work out like that anymore, right? Well, if you are going to qualify for more, now notice in his case, he's not trying to qualify for more. 
I don't want to win any more gold medals. I don't care. I've made my millions. I got all my endorsements. I'm doing fine. I'm happy. Stacy life is great and good for him. I think he had three or four Olympics that he went to and won them all. <laughs> good for that brother. That is awesome. But what I'm trying to teach you tonight is as athletes in this Christian race, you must be instant out of season when no one's looking. Paul said, not only should you continue in the faith when I'm there to watch you, but even the more when I'm away. Did y'all catch that? When nobody is there, no, nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody's there to examine your attitude or your heart disposition. Truth be told, we don't know the status of everybody's heart in this church. Jesus said that. He said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. To my teenagers, you know, yeah, with men. When mom and dad is at work, list goes on and on. Man, you got to be instant in, in, in shutdown territory. Constant, consistent in silent seasons, because it is in those seasons, y'all, that greatness is created. It is in those seasons that you just rise to the top. Am I blessing anybody tonight? You know, it's amazing that, 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 that the encounters that we take for granted are the very ones that have the potential to bless our socks off later on. Just by being instant and silent season. Now, this is going to bless you real good. I told you about when we uh, started the church over in the waiting room. And how many of you know I'm never going to stop telling those stories? Amen. Amen. I believe faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I also believe faith cometh by hearing other people's experiences. So that you can look at that and say, wow, yeah, that is how this works. Well, I remember some of those Bible studies when we would have five people. And it would be what I would consider out of season. <laughs> Amen. We had plenty of parking spaces left over. I remember getting up teaching, and I remember the anointing flowing through me. I remember working, people getting born again. Y'all, I'm not going to call any names, but y'all, there is a famous NFL cornerback now making millions. He got born again right at that yellow house. <laughs> That's where he confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then he went on to become a Pro Bowl cornerback. Right? Well, I'm saying this to say, and this is going to bless you real good. I remember being in those rooms, and we would set up the chairs, and we would set up the chairs, OJ, with expectation that people would come. And sometimes people would pack us out, especially as we started growing, and then eventually we outgrew it, praise the Lord. But we would set up chairs, young people, and um, the chairs would sometimes look like these chairs. And I remember preaching to the chairs and the three to five people in there as if I was talking to 5,000, Linda. But there was one lady, and she was visiting, and she kept coming. She'd come week after week. Y'all catching, you know where I'm going there. She, she'd come week after week, you know. She would come, 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 and she, you know, she would always tell us how much she's being blessed by the ministry. I'm not going to say her name because of the tape, but I'm being blessed by the ministry. This ministry is great, and she kept coming. We went to the school. We had grown. Well, we'd already been in the school on Sundays, but we were growing, and then we went to harvest, and, you know, then, you know, she kept coming a little bit, and she couldn't make it all the time. And uh, over time, she started coming so much, and before you know it, uh, we built this church. This is why you got to be instant in silent seasons when it feels like nobody's listening. Well, we built this church, and lo and behold, one fateful Sunday, uh, this sweet lady, and you'll know who I'm talking about, but I don't want to say her name for the sake of television, 
this sweet lady who had been coming to the ministry, coming to the ministry, decided that that fateful Sunday, a few months ago, she was going to join the church. Right? No knock on her. But she finally joined the church, and we were so glad she did. Y'all, and you know that for me it's not about the money. But on my anniversary, this was one of the individuals who got in line and said, Pastor, you've been such a blessing to me, I want to sow $1,000. Now, this is really a powerful principle. Don't focus on the money, but focus on the principle. The principle is this. What would have happened if in the out of season, when she was one of the five who'd be in there, we was playing around and not being instant? You would have disinherited a great member. And it's not just about her money to the pastor, by the way. But you would have disinherited somebody who was so productive in the kingdom. That same night, this same person was in the back until 2, 3 a.m. in the morning working in the kitchen of the church. But all of that stemmed from being faithful over few and being instant in your out of season. Y'all, I'm ministering to somebody tonight. If you really are going to qualify for more, you're going to have to say, God, right where I'm standing, I'm going to be consistent right here. Some of you, and I say it all the time, but some of you need to just make a pledge. I'm not missing a service. I mean, that's where my consistency can start. You know, I'm not missing a service. I'm not missing a prayer call on Wednesday morning. Come on. I'm not missing a fast day. Amen. I'm not missing all of those things. I'm not missing cluster group. I'm not missing take it out of the church, Gabe. I'm not missing a date night. If I want my marriage to get better, I'm going to plan my bi-weekly or weekly date nights on purpose. I want my kids to be more compliant. I'm going to spend time with them. Nothing else is more important than that. I'm not missing that stuff. Yeah, my kids are going to memorize scriptures and do them on the stage. Are you with me, church? I'm going to be consistent in the out of seasons. One of the things salesmen do so well is they keep planting seeds. <laughs> they keep planting seeds because they realize at some point somebody's going to buy. No, this no, somebody's going to buy this vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I'm going to stay persistent. I'm going to say consistent because this thing's going to get better. Well, you know, right now, my wife, she won't have talked to me, somebody may say. Uh, she won't have talked to me, but I tell you what, I'm going to keep being sweet to her. I'm going to be consistent. Now, my husband, you know, he really vexes me, you know. He, he really gets on my nerves, especially when he clips his fingernails and leaves the nails <laughs> on the end table of our bedroom. I'm tired of cleaning up those nails, but you know what? I'm just going to, with a smile, put those nails in the trash and keep loving my husband. Now, I don't do that for the record. I bite mine and throw them out the window. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to be consistent. You know, now that's true. I don't need a manicure. So some of y'all brothers need that. But, that, you know, no offense. I just don't need one. I'm good. I'm, as young people would say, I'm straight with that. I'm straight with that. Well, you're going on TV now. Don't you care? Nope. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I like that feeling of when you bit them too low, the little stinging sensation. 
and use the soap to wash your hands that you get. There's nothing like it. So that's why I keep biting mine. <laughs> Amen. It's for those of you who like the clear polish tonight. Amen. Brothers. I'm talking about brothers who like the clear polish. That's all. You know, I'm not, you know, ladies, go on and get the clear polish. You know, you're a brother. Don't worry about all that polishing. <laughs> Just drink milk so your nails won't and stuff like that. But don't worry about now y'all got me on a rabbit trail. All right, get back to the lesson tonight. I like to drop those nuggets so that people who watch me on TV can say, what's he all about? Amen. Moving right along. So remain consistent in silent season when things don't look like they're moving. You hadn't gotten a job, you hadn't got one yet. What you going to do tomorrow about that? Amen. I tell you what I would do. Get up, make the hottest cup of coffee at 7 o'clock. Seriously. Amen. And between the caffeine and the Holy Ghost, get all the energy you need to beat the streets and apply for some more companies. Are y'all in here? Now I'm going to be consistent. Amen. All right, let's go to the last point because if you're going to get more, this is going to bless you real good. Go to 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. I love it, love it, love it. I, I don't sway away from teaching this. This is one of my favorite themes to teach. You hear it come out of a lot of my teachings because, quite frankly, it works. So the fourth and final point of the night with my last 10 minutes is this. If you want to qualify for more, never stop sowing seeds. Never stop sowing seeds. Go to 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. And this qualifies for all types of seeds. Everybody say, not just money. Amen. But never stop sowing seed. I'm telling you, there are y'all <clears throat> some biblical principles, and we're going to shut down. But there are some biblical principles, Shavar, that just work every time. That you don't even, I, 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 I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but in this passage, you don't even see the word God. You ain't got to put God in it. It works every time. Time. There are people who don't even know God that work this principle. And it works. How many times? Every time. Every single time. Everybody say, never stop sowing. Write this in your notes. I can never expect harvest from a ground where no seed exists. I can never expect harvest from a ground where no seed exists. So a lot of people have been praying and believing for God to do this, to do that, but they haven't mastered a fundamental principle of sowing, just sowing. Even Mark 4 deals with that whole parable of sowing. The Bible says, I believe Mark 4 and 13, that if you can't master this principle, how can you master anything else? That is so good. If I can't, if I can't overcome this thing, many people, and it's, I believe it's one of the reasons why the folks at Kingdom Christian Church are so blessed, because down through the years, we've never been afraid of teaching this. So that's why every Sunday you come to church, you see somebody else just got promoted. I mean, think of the last Sunday where we weren't announcing something great that just happened to somebody. Somebody's closing houses, some, something. There's always harvest, always more, always more. And God is a God of what? More. Don't limit God. We're going to end with that. But he is a God of more. And look at this thing, y'all. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 9, and, and, and I love my translation, slightly different from what you see. But it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get what kind of crop? A small crop, a small harvest. But the one who plants generously will get a generous 
crop. I love this. And then in verse number eight of the same text, <laughs> this translation, God's word translation, says it really interesting. It says, besides, <laughs> God will give you his constantly overflowing kindness. Watch this. Then you will always have everything you need so that you can do more and more good things. You will always have everything you need. What is tonight's lesson? How to qualify for more. So that you can do more and more. So it is the harvest that you constantly are getting in your life that gives you more. But when you get more, guess what? He gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. You qualify for more. Because you've been faithful in the least. Somebody in here tonight, and there are all kinds of levels in this church. That's why I love preaching. I love teaching. And I love teaching so that everybody can get something out of the lesson. Well, there are all kinds of levels in this church. There are people in this church who make six figures tonight. There are people in this church who make don't make six figures. There are people in this church who, God knows, maybe has seven figures. The list goes on and on. But everybody in this church qualifies for the principle that I have taught tonight, and that is that God will give you more regardless to what level you are at. There are people in this church with no degree. There are people in this church with three to four degrees. All right, but depending on God's mission for your life, God is never limited in any of that. God is so powerful. He is so enriched with his own resources. God will give you more. And notice this, it's in my side notes, but God gets frustrated when his people put a cap on what he wants to do. That's why he told the widow through Elijah, he said, borrow, not a few. Well, come on, let's, let's, let's not go there, but go to Psalm 78 and 11. I love it. Go to Psalm 78, actually 78, 41. I think that's where I want to take it. 78, 41. God, like, he, he, he always has something up his sleeve. He always wants to do more. And I'll spend my last five minutes here. You guys understand the principle of sowing, right? Yeah, yeah, always so, always so. If you leave this church and go to another church, so. Amen. Don't you let somebody convince you of some bad doctrine. Tithing and giving is not today for today, because guess what? That's one of the quickest way to dry up like a prune and have nothing. Amen. You want to overflow, you want to live in the land of more than enough, man, give even when you don't have no reason to give. Everybody in here, as the Lord starts abundantly blessing you and prospering you, you ought to start getting joy out of giving. We just read it in the text in verse number eight of that Corinthians passage that you would have grace that abounds so that you can meet and, and participate in every good work. You can do more and more good things. And a lot of people say, Lord, if I had it, I sure would give. No, you wouldn't because you don't give at the level you're at. So I can't trust you to give it so you would quote unquote have it because I can't even get $52.06 out of you now. After I've blessed you with a job making $85,000 a year. Y'all ain't going to say amen. And I'm not talking about Pastor Gabe. I'm talking about God. Amen. God says, no, I, you know, I can't, I can't even squeeze a penny. Ten cents off of a dollar. So why am I going to make you a multimillionaire? As if the light is going to go on. Do you remember the Luke 16 passage? He who is unjust in the 
little is also unjust in the much. That's why people who, you know, and y'all stop playing the lottery if you pay it. Amen. But that's why people who, who hit the numbers, they go broke in a couple of years. Google it when you get home. They go broke. Many of them end up dead, sick. list goes on and on. Amen. You done harvested $40 million, and you couldn't even take care of 14. Right? We have to be faithful. But everybody say, don't limit God. Psalm 78 and 41. Come on. How many people here love the word? Psalm 78 and 41. God got upset with Israel. He said it. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. They vexed God. They got on God's nerves. How do they get on God's nerves, Pastor? By limiting the Holy One of Israel. When you limit God, and I'm not taking a scripture out of context, but when you limit God, it grieves him. I was about to say something today, and the Holy Spirit corrected me. I was getting ready to leave our house, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. And I don't mind saying this because guess who I'm boasting in? The Lord. And I boasted in myself. But when I tell you I have a phenomenal quality of life, oh, man, I enjoy my quality of life. I got up this morning real quick, and my sweet wife had made some of her awesome pancakes and sausage. After she dropped our children off, that was awesome. And then she had some fruit on the side, and, and the list goes on and on. It was a beautiful thing. All right. And then it was time for me because, you know, this is one of my church days. So it was time for me to go get a, a haircut. So I was getting ready to go get my haircut. And um, and then I had to meet a repair guy at this church and the same repair guy at my office across the way for some drainage stuff. You know, some of y'all see that outside. We figuring out how to do that the best way. How many know you got to make God's property look right? Amen. I don't like stuff just, you know, mosquitoes hatching and stuff like that. All right. So uh, I said, we're going to take care of that. Amen. Y'all give me a quote. Amen. So we, we doing all, I was getting ready to go do all these meetings today, Candace. And I was about to walk out my house and I turned to my wife who was doing some work and I had our two younger children. The other two were in school. And I said, dear, I don't think my quality of life could get any better than this. The Holy Ghost rebuked me right there. And I told her too. I said, oh, wait a minute. God just stopped me. He said, you don't say that. I can't do more than this. <laughs> now, that's true. He put an unction in my inner man. I was about to say, Derek, it can't get any better than this. He said, no, you don't say that. Mm -mm. No, I'm a God of. I'm a God. I take you from glory. Gabe, you think you've seen glory. You ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. How many people in here, that's your testimony? You've seen some great days, but aren't you glad you haven't seen your greatest? Woo, man. You've had some good jobs, but you haven't had your greatest job. Man, I prophesy that on your next job, your annual salary is just your one-time bonus. Do I have anybody in here that can believe for that? No, you haven't seen your greatest. Don't limit me is what God said. Don't, don't, don't ever put that cap on my ability. Beautiful homes, praise the Lord. But what if I want to do more one day? Are y'all in here? 
What if, what if it's a part of my plan and your faith is there to where I want to take you to a whole nother plateau, a whole nother place? Are you going to say God has done enough? Y'all, we can't ever see God's best hand. Do you realize that? Do you realize how big God is? Do you realize how awesome he is in his splendor? Do you realize that in six days he created everything you see? What do you think he can do in 40 more years of your life? What can he do? No, I'm not going to limit M&W to this Charlotte, North Carolina. Man, how come it can't be in Greensboro and Raleigh and keep on up to Virginia and Maryland and, and, and go further to Rhode Island? Why not? Are you in here, church? I'm not limiting God to anything that I now see. You think you got a nice podium? God's got one better. <laughs> You think those seats are soft? You had not seen his best chair. Oh, man. And so you got to get out, and y'all know I coined the phrase, and I don't mean any harm, and I'm not being disrespectful when I say it, but you got to get out of that Mother Teresa mentality. You know, that you just took the vow of poverty that the Bible did not tell you to take. The, the vow of lack, the vow of less than enough. Especially for our people, y'all. I'm closing, but I'm qualified to preach this as an African-American man. But especially for where the Lord brought us from. You know, one of the reasons why culturally we eat chitlins, and if you enjoy it, enjoy it. Praise the Lord. But one of the reasons why culturally we eat chitlins is because that's what they would leave for us. Did you hear that? The scraps. That's it. But you don't serve a God of scraps. And see, I'm closing, but you, no, really, you, the Bible says we are a royal priesthood. Is that all right, Rob? No, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And notice what I'm not teaching tonight. I am in no ways teaching to live beyond our means. That's not what I'm saying, because that's a poverty mentality, too. We call that low self-esteem. I don't feel compelled to drop names of who I know so people will like me. <laughs> that doesn't move me. Or tell people how much money I have so that they'll let me in. Because when you get in the club, now what? No, we, 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 the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, tell, tell those who are rich to not be high-minded. Amen. We, we ought to be able to enjoy the low places, man. It's nothing like going down. I, I had there in heaven now, but I had an Aunt Sarah and an Uncle Bubba. Now, you can imagine what they look like. <laughs> Don't they just paint the picture? Uncle Bubba and Aunt Sarah. Ooh, I used to love going to their house. And, and they, they look just like their name sounds. <laughs> Rocking chairs, Aunt Sarah and Uncle Bubba. Some cold iced tea on the porch. And she would always make those pound cakes that you wrap up in a towel. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And it would catch the condensation. And they still had the same chair in their house. True story that my parents dated on. Is that not true? Same chair. They stayed on that same house. And he'd take me out in the field and we'd pick watermelons and they were the sweetest watermelons. No, that's living the good life right there. 
So I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not against that. I'm, you know, my parents still have their truck. They're in heaven now. Their truck from the 60s. Oh, it's vibrant. See, it's awesome. But, but I'm closing this lesson because I want you to get a point. We are not high-minded, and we don't look down on anybody, and we don't think that we're better than anybody, but catch the point. God has another level, and he constantly has more levels. He constantly wants to do more. You know, I would rather be the kind of person that has to uh, slow you down than to speed you up. So, I, I, you know, you ought to get to a place, and, and don't be Martha now. Don't, don't work so much that you have no time to sit at Jesus' feet, because that's too much, too. That's out of balance. But you ought to get to a place to where you say, God, everything you want me to have and everything you want me to be, I will not stop short of your promises. I will persist. I will maintain my persistence. I will be consistent. Watch this. I will not, I will not bow to the persecution because guess what? How many of you know when, when you start getting everything God has you to get, how many of you know some folk ain't going to like it? Do I have a witness in here? And sometimes it's going to be your family. And you're just going to have to be all right with that. Stop trying to convince people who got a problem with you for no reason. Y'all didn't catch that. Be like your pastor. Develop the ministry of so what? You know, they said they, they didn't really like the fact that you sew. What? Andrew Womack says this guy came up to him after preaching and he said to him, you know, I, I liked everything you said, but I didn't like that last point you was making. I thought that was too this or too that. And, you know, he looked back at the guy and he said, who gives a rip? That sounds curt, doesn't it? But we care too much when folk are scrutinizing us. How you let somebody scrutinize you out of the promises of God? That's good. Well, you know, voice of negativity. Did they, they, they go down? Did they go down there? You know, I knew they, I knew they was one of them churches. I knew they was one of them churches. You know, them folk getting ready to say something erroneous when they keep restarting. <laughs> I knew they. I knew they. I knew they was erroneous because I knew it. Because um, you know, now everybody down there, you know, they driving Mercedes Benzes and stuff like that. Why all them people need them kind of cars and stuff like that? So what? Because guess what? If you work hard and went and got your law degree, like Sister Folk, you drive one too. Go past the bar. Or be like Sister Sue, Sister White this week, and you know now we're not on, you know, on TV recording now, but. Sister White, and you know, go close you some houses. Are you here, church? Now, if Pam comes to church with a new outfit on Sunday, I'm not mad at her. <laughs> what be mad at her about? <laughs> you know, I have no problem with that. That's what she decided to do with her money. Amen. And worked hard and did what she was supposed to do, and the Lord smiled on her. 
Now we're getting ready to close because I know folk are ready to go. But I hope this is blessing you. Because God is a God of more. Go back to the text. Come on. Go back to Matthew 25 and let's close with our text. <clears throat> Matthew 25. I love you tonight. And let's let's just let's 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 clamp it down on where we started. 29. All right. Because to everyone who has more will be what? No, he already had, but God just. Somebody say, I'm not mad at that. <laughs> Amen. I'm not upset with you. You did it. You did it. Proud of you. In fact, I'm proud of you. I, now, I can tell you right now, if you're in this church and you start having more, you got at least one person in, in this church. Is, you know, we're we not loaded with jealous people. But I can promise you, you got one person in here that's going to always shout with you. No, Pastor Gabe is glad for you. No, you got a covering over here. You come tell me you got promoted. I'm not going to say something like, well, I guess God going to hit me next. I know I'm on his mind, too. No, no, it ain't about me. There's, how many know that sometimes it's somebody else's day? <laughs> Amen. This is your day. Amen. You got promoted. Well, you worked hard. Him who has, more will be given. And what's the next stage? He's going to have an abundance. Woo, that's good stuff. But to him that does nothing. I didn't have time to tell you about the guy with the one talent who went and dug a ditch. Did nothing. And I'm compassionate. I told you we feed the hungry. Let's go going on. But just dug a ditch. Just wasted talent. Wasted, wasted. Just, just throw, just, you know, you know, AJ just threw everything away. Moyer threw everything away. Yeah. Wasted. Guys, Carter, I know y'all won't do it, but just threw everything away. Wasted. Could have been some, but you know, they, they kind of wasted. I figure I talked to y'all for a little bit. Because that's, that's what people do. They just, you know, figure I talked to you guys a little bit. You know, and I know you kind of want to just crack up, but I figure I'd just tell you publicly. See, some of y'all need to stop talking during Bible study, and then I won't have to talk to you. Because, they, they, you know, their pastor was teaching, trying to get them to not mess their life up. And they thought the pastor didn't see them the whole time. But they just. I'm not sorry, church, because that's the problem today. We have so, amen, we have so many opportunities for instructions and to be made better. <laughs> amen. I don't feel bad. And, you know, parents, y'all say amen. I don't feel bad about that. But I thank God that somebody took the time to tell me how to get more. Honestly, I'm serious. How to not grow up, because see, now I'm passionate. And just, just you know, in one ear, you know, just, just wasted. 
wasted time. And then you got to ask yourself, is my time wasted? My wife read a scripture earlier today, and this is so good. Paul just talked about that. He said, man, you know, I've invested so much time in trying to get you to become, you, you got it there, there? What, what verse is it? You was reading that earlier today. This is so good, y'all. Anybody got time to hear this? Listen to what he says in Galatians 4 and 11. He says, I am afraid for you. Look at that. Galatians 4 and 11. This is so good. And this ain't just for my young people, but it's for my young people. And it's for my adults. We closing. Galatians 4 and 11. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. That you sit in an hour and a half Bible study and nothing got in. <laughs> That's good stuff. Waste of time. I know my time's not wasted because I see people growing in this ministry, but I'm talking to many in the room who you need a pastor to say this to you if you've never heard somebody to say it to you. I'm going to say it to you tonight. You better get serious. You, you better start owning this stuff. Because like when God sends these words, is that all right, Pam? Do you realize for some folks, sometimes this is it? And I'm not talking about just death either, but like I'm talking about, thank you, dear, the last opportunity to get on board. Before God says, never mind, I'll use somebody else. <laughs> like, y'all get out of that arrogance of thinking that God got to wait till you're ready. Come on. Whenever you're ready, I'm still standing. I'm still waiting. No, you'll get turned over to a reprobate mind. I wonder if when Jesus called the disciples and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I wonder if Peter and Andrew said, not right now. I wonder if Jesus said, I'll be back next week. Thank it over. No, it was wasted. It was wasted. Pastors got to do what they got to do sometimes. And I love you. I love you. But young people, don't waste it. Adults, don't waste it. Amen. Because to him who has, more will be given. But to him who does not have, what he has will be what? Taken away. And listen, you've heard me say it, and it sounds harsh, but it's not. We're getting ready to stand. But you know, OJ, and you know, you don't fit this description, but I have never felt mad, a bad brother, about, about the guy who is just, just has nothing in life. Demond, that has never moved me to just this strong compassion. Oh, I can't. Oh, why? when there are people who are double amputees. Y'all hear me? That have gone on to be world-class professors. Can't even write with their hands, have to suck up a straw. But they've gone on to be great. So I don't feel bad about people who are strong, clothed, and in their right mind, who don't become anything to him who does not have. And this is not a message that lacks compassion, but what he has, God says, servant with just the one, give it to me because you're not doing nothing with it. Give it to that guy who's doing something because I, I, I can't use you. <laughs> Don't let that happen in your life. Don't let that happen in your life. All of you guys.
my young ladies, everybody. This is family night. All of you, everybody in the church, and y'all aren't doing anything wrong now. You know, I've already corrected who I need to correct you. But everybody in this church, look, be on fire for the things of God. Get on fire. If you're not saved, watch this. Get saved. Get saved and then get on fire. Get on fire. Don't let church, don't let, don't let an hour and 40 minutes worth of study be just wasted vocals. I just, you know, I just sat in this room. Oh, I'm not, I'm not apologizing. I sat in this room for an hour and a half and didn't get nothing. Not because the preacher didn't prepare, but my head was somewhere else. I tell you what God will do with that. It is the information that he gave you the opportunity to hear that you will be responsible for. You ever heard a professor say, and this will be on the test? Well, that's how I'm closing tonight. This will be on the test. Come on, let's stand. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.